own and get understanding, Father, and faith, encouragement. Everything that we need, Lord, is wrapped up in this meeting that we have with you today. We honor you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. So so uh, today I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about um, really how to, to believe God and what he has promised. Amen. We're going to talk about what he has promised and uh, <clears throat> get an understanding of how really to see the things that we desire come to pass. There, There is instruction in the word of God for the how-to. Uh, I think sometimes we see that God blesses people in the Word. We get excited and run off with it. And we forget, oh yeah, how's this going to work? What's what's the deal here? And so it's real important for us to understand the how-tos of, of living with God. You know, the Bible says the children of Israel saw God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. And so the ways of God... Are important not only now Moses they you assume he would know God's ways he had to because he was their leader but really knowing the ways of God would have spared all of the men of fighting age from dying in the wilderness had they stayed in the the place of learning long enough to learn God's ways. So getting seeing the things of God come to pass in your life are not a matter of memorizing scripture or quoting scripture or having a ready answer uh, on your tongue every time somebody speaks to you about certain things, but it's really knowing God and knowing the ways of God. Part of what we know about God comes through the word. Of course, you, you need that to get faith and confidence in God. There, there are uh, chronicled in the Bible God's dealings with man, uh, both in good times and bad, in times when man is estranged from God, when times when man's obedient to God. All of those things are chronicled in the word of God. But then there's a part of knowing him that comes with experience. And experience must be had in faith. You have no experience with God unless it's a faith experience. Now you can hear about other things. You can sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else get blessed. But knowing him is a faith knowing. That's how you get into the the arena of really, really knowing God. And it, and it is a blessing. Uh, it's a departure from your normal routine. Some people see it as a risk. Many times a risk they're not willing to take. And that's unfortunate because I believe God puts within everybody not only the desire to know him but the ability to know him. Um, We're able to know God uh, by stepping out and walking with him through life uh, just like you would with a a life partner, somebody that you're married to. Um, You, you, by faith, take that person's hand and walk with them through the life that God has planned for you and and that takes confidence you you know you got you can't be fearful about if you if you give over to marriage you can't be fearful about every little thing that comes up in the relationship you drive each other crazy you know he don't want to do this you don't want to do that well what you get married for 
You got me? So the, the, the marriage is so that two people can become one through shared life, shared experiences, shared hopes and dreams, shared understanding, you know, uh, pleasure, pain, whatever, you know, all the experiences you share with somebody else. And that's what it's for. It's not for you to, to say some empty words and go about your own way. Which, when you think about it, that's pretty much how the average Christian lives his life. It's a one-time confession of, of salvation. And then we just scurry off and try to, and, and oh yeah, I need some, so let me ask God. And you keep going your own way. And that's not what God intended when he intended for us to come into his in relationship, covenant relationship with him. We are to humble ourselves and accept the life that he has carved out for us. Got me? See, and, and, and people miss this about marriage. Uh, uh, from experience or from understanding and observation and, and just things in general. Um, it's, it, to me... Uh, the woman really needs to be more careful about what she enters into at the time she enters into marriage with a man because the man is able to make changes because God sees him as the head of that relationship. But the woman has to submit. So that's why I preach real hard to women who are not married to don't just accept any okie doke from these brothers. Because what you get in, it's not going to change much. See, we think we can change people. Just let me get married. See, that's witchcraft really what it is. Because just let me get, get, get them in there and get some people. Oh, that don't, that don't matter. That don't matter. That don't matter. You get married, you find out it matters a whole lot. You got me? And and the more see when when in Israel when uh, couples were were contemplating marriage, they had a person to negotiate the terms of the marriage. In churches, we should try and seek somebody. If you're not in a church where you can really trust people, you need to really pray. You 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 probably will have a strong enough relationship with God. If you want that, and if you want things straightened out, but really, the uh, the person who was the the intercessor or go-between, uh, who negotiated the terms of the marriage covenant, did it mostly to make sure the bride was taken care of, because the man was the man is going to do what he's going to do. You know what I mean? I mean, but the woman is the one who must submit, and so pretty much she has to go along with other whatever life this brother dictates. And hopefully, if God's in control, it's a, it's a good life. You know, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's not a lot of wiggle room for the woman after you've made the commitment, because God is looking to the man to carry the show. So you have to work underneath what he brings to the table. So just make sure when he lays that out, you got everything lined up like you want it. You got your diamonds. You got your credit cards. You got your or whatever else. (laughs) Y'all get what y'all want.
I get what I want. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. You don't want to step into something that's going to give you undue trouble. And it's best to know you have negotiating power before the <laughs> before the vows are said. That's all I'm saying. You have very little after and that's God's design. That's how God keeps a family together, is by making the man the head, make him accountable for everything, and God leads him, and the woman submits to that and go on with it. Make sure, though, before you make that commitment, that he's got he's got something going on you want to follow, because God's not let you gonna let you boss. He's not gonna let you lead. He's not gonna let you push things. He's not gonna let you. He's not gonna let you. You're going to have a struggle and trouble on your hand. And negotiating after the fact is very, very difficult. So many times we'll make promises beforehand and then we get involved. We think, hmm, I never should have said that. Or, you know. Now you can always repent and ask God for a miracle. But if, but if somebody's set in what they want to do, you're, you're, you've got to ride it out. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you ride it out, you find out it's not so bad. God will help that and he'll change that. But sometimes. It's, it's, you know, nightmare for a while. Just saying. I don't know who that's for, but I'm just saying. But, you know, you can always repent and say, God, you know what? I, I was mistaken. I never should have accepted, you know, this way of life or whatever. Find you the life you have for us. Amen. Speak to my husband and get him to understand where you want us to go, et cetera, and et cetera. And, and God will work it out for you. He'll work it out for you. But don't, don't get frustrated and upset because you're, you're trying now to correct something that you should have got straightened out, you know, from, from the giddy up. So you've gotta, gotta get it right. He can always make it right. But I say that to spare people a lot of stress, frustration, anger, upset, torment, whatever you wanna call it. Uh, get that straightened out first. And, and God will cause that man to conform to what the woman really needs in life he just will you got me but you got to do it you have to be upfront about it you can't be shady you know what i'm saying and, and work your crafts and all this kind of stuff it never works out so god always makes plans and provisions for for that for the for the home and for relationship and, and really for his relationship with us because he wants us to get to know him and when we enter into covenant with him he begins to reveal what it really means to live for him and to live with him as head of your life amen not some kind of side thing you grab when you really need when you're in trouble you really need help but walking with God following him into the life that he has wants to unfold for you and so that's that's just the way it is folks it's, you know it's no other way God set up the world uh, with his wisdom and that's God's wisdom to, to get involved in him in a faith covenant and you can never be involved with God if you don't have faith in what he's told you where you're going with him what he wants you to do you must put your faith in there you can't let things happen and observe like you know you're holding your faith out and then you're going to watch and see what God does here watch and see what he does there and then you get involved you're not even observing rightly you know faith gives you a different set of eyes to observe from 
I mean, you really see what's going on when you're involved in it in faith. When you're not in faith, you're just, you know, like Michael watched David dancing before the Lord and criticized him. Well, if she had been down there in the atmosphere where there was a lot of joy, she wouldn't have been so critical. And so God will not allow you to continue to observe what he's doing without getting involved with your own faith with that. So that's what he wants. He wants us to be faith people. He wants us to do everything by faith. And he wants us to be totally invested in him. That's why sometimes you'll try to witness the people who are sinners and, uh, you know, like everybody will, you know, do you know the Lord? Well, do you want to get saved? And, yeah. Well, what's God going to do for me? Well, he made my life better. He did this, this, that. Well, tell him to help me win the lottery. You know, smart stuff like that. Everybody has their little, little you know, and, and so God doesn't want us observing kingdom from a window. He wants us involved. Your faith must be involved in the things of God. It's got to be. You must be invested with something in, of you. Because God knows who he is. So he doesn't have to prove himself to you so that he can feel better about him. But he's got to prove himself to you so you can get the benefit of it. And the only way you get it is your faith has got to be involved in it. You can't sit on the sidelines and wait till it looks it's like a good opportunity to get involved in things and think it's going to work. So in Romans chapter 4, if you'll turn there, we're going to talk a little bit about Abraham. In 4.3 it says, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed God. Now there's, that's a big statement just in itself. So hopefully through what we share today, you'll be able to understand fully what it means to believe God. Because I think a statement like that looks easy for us because we think, oh yeah, I believe, I believe, and, and start quoting and, and all of this kind of stuff. But really, believing God means in relationship. It means holding on to a relationship through thick and thin. Holding on to a relationship through good times and bad, that's what faith is. That's what faith in a partner is. You know, if you're in a marriage, your faith in your spouse means that you hold on to that person no matter what comes up. Well, most people don't really, I guess, I don't know what, what, where the all come from. You're not, you're not Christians? You're not, what do I do? But that's what faith is. Faith and faith in God will help you to hold on to a marriage partner no matter what comes up. See, if, if that relationship is based on faith in God, God, we're entering into marriage which you created for us. So that takes the pressure off you and off your spouse to keep it together. God, you've you've entered into something that God has created, and so you're not the creator of it. So how can you fix it? How can you help it? How can you do anything but quit and destroy it? So if you stay in it, it's liable to work out much more so than if you get in there, try to fix stuff and jimmy it up and do a little, you know. And so you're entering into 
um, people call it a holy estate. They they really don't know how to describe marriage, but it's a relationship pre-established by God. So you enter into that pre-established relationship. You don't create marriage because you just got married to somebody. It didn't start with you. And it doesn't end with you. So the best thing to do is find out what God expects out of you in this relationship. Work with him so that it works right for everybody. And it's the same thing with with us dealing with God. When we want to receive promises from God, we are entering into a system already established by God. It didn't start, your salvation didn't start with you. Salvation is a, a blood covenant that was planned before the foundation of the earth. So it doesn't start with you. And you, which means you don't all you have to do is get involved in it and obey. You don't have to fix it up. You don't have to fix you up. You don't have to do just find enough faith to stay in it and obey. If you'll ride it out like that, you'll wind up where you're supposed to get. But many times we as Christians think our getting the stuff we need from God depends so much on us. If you can just write you out of it, it would be beautiful. Huh? All you got to do is believe God. He's the one who's supplying the faith. He's supplying the promise. He's supplying the word. He's supplying. He supplies everything. The righteousness. You just got to get over where he is. And learn how to trust him and ride it out. And not jump ship because it's looking a little rough. I don't think we can do any better ourselves on our own than if, you know, but trusting God. And it's amazing sometimes how trust in God wavers depending on certain things that come up. So we're going to talk about Abraham and how he handled them things that came up as he was walking his faith walk and trusting God. So in Romans 4, let's turn over to verse We'll do, we're talking about his promise for his son Isaac. Okay. And in starting in verse 13, it says, For the promise, this was what God promised Abraham the promise that he would be heir of the world. Now, how is that for a promise? How do you like that? God says, the whole the earth the earth is mine and the fullness thereof, and I'm giving it to you as my heir. But that's exactly what he's given to the body of Christ. We are the heirs of this earth. We're the final heirs of everything that belongs to this earth. The thing God does want us to harvest is the heathen. He wants us to harvest souls out of this earth. And that's how we tap into our inheritance. He gives us people to give to him. And so, because that's the only thing that's going to be worth saving here. Everything else is going to blow up, burn up pass away but the only thing left is the souls that are here if we can understand that and not be so engrossed in the wealth the material things that are down here which are going to perish think about it every person that preaches about material wealth 
misses out on an opportunity to create the real harvest, which is the souls. That's why we don't have many people soul, soul winning going on in the kingdom now. We've taken the detour of the blessings that will be here when this earth is destroyed. It will perish too. So the only thing we can take as a real inheritance is souls. And so if we will focus on creating uh, an atmosphere where we can harvest our true inheritance, I believe we'll be 100% ahead. You're right in sync with God. When that's what your heart's desire is, you're right in sync with where God is. And so Abraham, he God told him, he said, you're going to inherit this whole world. And wasn't to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So Abraham would have to believe that that was true no matter what happened. For they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void. So don't think about what you can do to help God. Or why is it taking so long? What didn't I do? What what am I doing wrong? How did where did I mess up? How did I you understand what I'm saying? What am I? Why is it taking so long? Yeah 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 yeah. When you start doing that, you take yourself out of righteousness and put yourself over into works. I don't care if it's works of righteousness. It's not about what you do, but it's about what you believe about what you do. I'll say it again. It's not about what you do. But it's what you believe about what you do. Because if you only have faith in what you do, the minute you do something wrong, you put yourself in the penalty box. But if you believe the right thing about what you do, my sins are forgiven. If I've done something wrong, it's forgiven. Father, forgive me and put me on the right road. So if you believe the right thing about what you do, you'll get the promise. You believe the wrong thing, you'll be stuck somewhere. And your faith won't move like getting running into a ditch or a mud puddle. And you just keep turning the car and spinning your wheels. They're going to spin and spin and spin and you won't get anywhere. And so if you want to get somewhere, you've got to believe the right thing about what you do. There are works that go along with righteousness. But those things that you are that God expects you to do, you will be led by the Holy Spirit to do them and you won't be sitting up trying to guess what you did wrong in order to find out what to do. You got it? But quit doing that. Quit trying to figure out it's kind of funny. I was talking to somebody uh, on Facebook, a, a lady that, you know, a friend of mine. I, I know her kind of casually through there, but I do know uh, that she's a Christian. And she she uh, has been, she's studied, she's been to some Bible school and things like that. She and her husband are very sincere about serving the Lord. And I've probably known her five or six years. So she'll, she'll she's on my list for the daily teachings and she'll sometimes check off or comment or something and so and periodically if she has a question or she needs prayer she'll just send me a message that she needs prayer for something and so she was she had something on there about her daughter and it sounded desperate to me and I just started praying for her and so she sent me a message and she said I don't know what we're doing wrong we do this we do that we do that and yet I'm sick my husband's sick my daughter's in the mental hospital she tried to kill herself this and that and the other and I 
keep asking God, what am I doing wrong? And so I told her, just call me. Because, you know, them things you can't just sit there and type all day. And you, you have to minister to people. And so she called me. And um, I, I explained to her as best I could what imputed righteousness is. And I said, why are you asking God what you did wrong as though you could correct it? And she thought about it for a minute. And I said, the only thing you can do is live by faith and follow Jesus. I said, you can't correct anything that you've done wrong. You can't do it. You've got to go forward. Now, if wrong comes up, if the same wrong that you used to do comes up for you to do in the future, the Holy Spirit will lead you around it, do the right thing this time. You got me? It's not about you can correct nothing. And so she was she was thinking about it and I could tell she was a little bit stuck and the Lord told me, He said, Tell her to do this. So I told her. I said, The Lord told me to tell you, you and your husband, I said, if you want to correct what you did wrong, I said, I want you to to go in your living room or wherever you got a lot of room, I said, and start walking backwards. I said, and if you can get where you're trying to get, which is your healing and stuff, by walking backwards, I said, and keep doing it. And she started laughing. And I said, that's exactly what God wants you to do. Laugh at the fact that you're trying to correct something that you've done in the past. You want to go to your healing. Walk forward to your healing. And, and she texted me later, my husband and I did what you said, and we laughed at the devil. He's trying to put condemnation. I said, it's right, girl. Yeah, it now. You understand what I'm saying? So, so cut it out, folks. We're not in in self-righteousness. You can't do it right. You can't do it right. Now, you might do some things that you get a pass on, and you look back and say, well, I thought I was hot stuff when I did that. I was, I was just barely in the cut. You know what I'm saying? So let's cut it out. Stop it. We've all gotten away with murder, and so just be thankful, you know, that, that God canceled that, that death sentence that was up against you. And let's go on in God. Go and enjoy your life in God. So praise God. So anyway, uh, so Abraham, it says, if you, if you continue in works, then you made the promise of none effect. So you won't get the promise. You won't get the things God promised you by trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. And go correct yourself and do it right. You just need to be led by the Spirit of God. Get forgiven. Be led by the Spirit. Because you can't do it with a condemned soul either. You feel guilty and uh, convicted and all that kind of stuff. That will jerk you around a little bit too. And so when in verse 17 it says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. So that's what God told Abraham. The God who said that is the God who makes alive the dead and he calls things that be not as though they are. So when God calls you something that you are not, he's calling that to you just like it's true. And that's all he ever wants you to hear. Once you get used to hearing it 
like he wants you to hear it then your faith begins to increase your faith begins to develop now your carnal mind might try to censor it here and there you know well what what do you mean you're healed you're still this you're still that what about this what about that nothing about that I'm still healed you got me and keep calling those things that be not as though they are because that's how you agree with God you got to agree with God you can't agree with anybody but God and so it says here Abraham against hope believed in hope so in order to have the God kind of faith or to see your promise come to pass you're going to have to be against something you're going to have to be against natural hope you're going to have to be against the things that you think are are hindrances other people's involvement that's a biggie we always think if our promise uh, means that uh, somebody else if somebody else is involved in us getting what we want from God that's like a big problem to us you know what I'm saying it's like oh boy because they think this and they think that they never change and they are yeah 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 you got me and so that's your against hope hope you got to put that aside and that has to be a non-issue many times we want to grab that look at it and see how big it is how great it is how much of a problem it's going to be oh lord I don't know how this kid of mine is ever going to get start worshiping God you know what I'm saying they're this they're that they're so far away they're young 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 and so you have to against hope believe so if that's that's what you see you got to be against putting your eyes on that you got to don't let that register and it says that according to which it was spoken he said so shall your seed be so that was the promise that he would become the father of many nations and his seed will be as many as the sand in the seashore and the stars in the sky say that fast if you want to sand and seashore stars and sky sand and seashore stars and sky and so that's what Abraham focused on all the time if he found himself doubting he'd look down he said sand and seashore look up stars and sky God made it easy for him and he makes it easy for us too folks Abraham didn't have some kind of advantage over us God will make it easy for us too just like that it says and being not weak in faith now this is what what you have to understand Abraham started out the same kind of faith we have when he started out obeying God he was just like us when we first come into a knowledge of God but he had a choice now this thing about weak faith and strong faith is a matter of what you choose to do and you got to make the right choice here Abraham made the right choice so we have to follow in like pattern if we're going to receive what God has for us verse 24 says it says uh, verse 23 now it was not written for his sake alone so this isn't written just for Abraham that it was imputed to him but it's for us also 
to whom it shall be imputed is righteousness. So this is not something you can look at it and say, well, that was a one-time thing with Abraham because of of he, you know, where he was. He started out as the father of us all, and and God did that already, and and put him in a separate category because it says plainly right here, it's not just for Abraham, it's for us too. So when God takes the time to explain it like that that means that you are supposed to be able to follow just like Abraham did if God promises you children at a hundred years old see we think that's amusing well they did too be honest with you <laughs> they got sobered up pretty quick but we think oh yeah that was you know well you know you shrug it off like but but consider that that's all I'm saying. Just because your situation isn't exactly what his was, don't put him off as somebody different and special. And don't think that you can't do the same thing because it's there. It says that's for us too. See, you can't X out chap, uh, verses 23, 24, and 25. You've got to take the whole thing. So you're going to need that kind of faith as all this scripture is saying you're going to need that you're going to need to believe like that you're going to it I don't care what it is it might be to get a bill paid but you're going to need to believe like that you're going to have to be able to hope against hope and believe even though the whole situation is totally out of your control there's nothing you can do to help nothing you're going to have to believe. That's the Abraham brand of faith. See, this, this, is, this is something you have to understand. It's for you. It's for us. This is the only way to believe God. We say believe in him for a miracle. Everything's a miracle. You know how evil the devil is? Getting anything out of his hands is a miracle. And, and it doesn't matter what you call it. You know, we try to try to want to categorize things and make one thing big. Another. Listen, if you're using the God kind of faith, everything's big. Everything's a hope against hope. You got me? And so don't ever try and think like, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'll go get this. And I don't need to ask God. And I don't need to pray. And I, you know what I'm saying? Just don't take your faith life so casual. Consider it. Uh, you're up against something. That's what it is. You you got to plow through something. I don't care what it is that you're desiring from God. And it says here, he did not stagger at the promises of God. It says, being not weak in faith. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to go up to 19. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, slow down, Barb. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So in your life, there are things that you cannot consider. You cannot consider them. You must not consider them. And it says here, he he did not believe, he didn't consider his own body. Now what that means, what was his own body like besides not being dead? It was age. You can't consider age either youth or advanced age. You can't consider those things. You can't consider outside influences. 
he couldn't consider the other person that was involved. So he couldn't consider Sarah in the condition of her body because that's how he got Ishmael right and so he knew that didn't bring the promise of God so he had to not consider his age his weakness his impotence he couldn't consider when he gets up it takes him twice as long as it used to 10 years ago three times as long as it did 20 years ago four times as long as it did you understand what I'm saying he couldn't consider stiffness he couldn't consider pain he couldn't consider he couldn't think about it he just had to get up and get up in the strength of God and say as many as the sand of the sea and as many as the stars in the sky that's all he was allowed to consider see if you don't think about the things that are against you against your hope the Bible says against hope he hoped so he had to be against considering those things he had to be against and it's not that they didn't come enter into his mind because when you get up out of a chair and it used to pop up and now you got to push up or if you're still getting up you slow getting up you don't pop no more like you used to pop up when those things happen you kind of think to you stop and think oh, it must be because uh, slap huh you don't get to consider that so you don't get to say it's because i'm getting older you don't get to say everybody gets a little slow when they get my age you don't get to say that because you don't get to consider that if you start feeling a little funny about uh you know your your whatever diagnosis they've hung on you you can't just say, well, I can't do it because, you know, I got to slap yourself. You're not allowed to consider that. I'm serious, folks. You will wither up and die and you won't get what God has for you because you're considering things that weak faith considers. We can all have strong faith. But you have to put the right, and it's not hard. It's a decision you make. You make a decision that you're not going to focus on this. You're not going to consider that. If something comes up, you speak the word to it, and we keep it moving. Isaiah 40, verse 31. This was not written at the time Abraham was there, but it it was in God anyway. All the things that are true in God, it doesn't matter if they were written. You know, Isaiah just came along when he came along. It was written already from the foundation of the earth. And so Isaiah 40, 31, it says, They that wait on the Lord, you all know it, shall renew their strength. Yeah, we all know it, but do we believe it, huh? It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's pretty strong. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somebody was driving along a highway and took a picture, video of an eagle. I saw it recently. And uh, that thing was about three feet tall. 
and he was perched on the edge and his feet looked like I said, oh my goodness you know what I'm saying you, you don't just go mess with something like that you know you stand back in awe and say you do what you want to do you know this, this highway is big enough for me and for you brother in fact you go first you do what you want to do and when he got up to fly his wings he couldn't even let all of his wings out because it was some trees in the area and he just kind of you know eased himself down on the ground and you could see him going along the ground and then later on he got up clear it to a clearing where he can open up his wings and fly that stuff ain't not to be played with and that's what God says he likens us to that and I said no wait a minute God said he go hop down on you got me number one on the hop down you know what I'm saying it ain't that easy but I'm working on it you got me I'm not considering that the hop down ain't that easy I'm gonna go because that's me you see me like you see him and he says we will run and not be weary we will walk and not faint amen so if you understand what God is saying, you will have strength for whatever it is. You know, we just got to quit, quit feeling sorry for the devil. You know what I'm saying? Because he's the one that's got us. You know, we think we feel sorry for ourselves. We really feel sorry for the devil. So if you understand what you're doing, you'll quit doing it or you can make a better choice about how you consider these things. So it says, he considered not his own body now dead neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb dead or impotent you can say that he wasn't really really dead but as far as being able to reproduce he was Psalm 103 5 says that he renews our youth like the eagles so that's who you are if you need renewed youth renewed strength renewed vigor you have it you just have to come out of that mindset of coddling yourself expecting anything other than the word of God you know some people deteriorate when they're older but you don't have to amen you let them do them and you do you so if you go to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12 verse 11 this is Joshua uh, actually this is Caleb and Joshua this is the conversation they're having after they've crossed over the Jordan into the promised land Joshua's at least 80 maybe a little bit advanced of that and so is Caleb about the same age so they're elderly gentlemen verse 10 it says <clears throat> now behold the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years even since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and now lo I am this this day 85 years old and yet I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then even so is my strength now for to war both to go out and to come in in other words I heard a brother now therefore give me this mountain 
whereof the Lord spoken that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakims were there and the cities were etc. etc. If so, the Lord is with me, then I'll be able to drive them out, just like the Lord says. In other words, the promise of God does not diminish with the passing of time, nor the aging of the person that He promises it to. Now Caleb said, listen, you know, you get 45 years to think about something. You, if you think the right way, you'll make it. When, when Caleb saw all of those men of fighting age die off, they say, man, we have just had a funeral. Old John is dead. Oh, this is dead. And then you look around and you're the only two left. That'll make you think hard about something that whatever's keeping you alive. You know, if you're smart, you'll figure it out. And it's never God likes me better than he likes them or I do this right or I do that right or I do the other right. It's God's mercy somehow I've tapped into a mercy of God that these people have not held on to. And the big difference that Joshua, I believe, he observed over the years was those people considered the wrong thing and all he considered was where he was going. He said, I know we've been around this mountain 15, 20, 40 times, 60 times, whatever it is, but I'm going over. Amen. I am not going to go around this mountain forever. I am going to go over. Now, if you don't think it's difficult to hold on to the promise of God and everybody's dead but you and Joshua and y'all old, you got another thing coming. But I'm telling you, it depends. If you focus on God, it's not that hard. Joshua said, mm-hmm, another one. Well, they all going to die if they don't believe God. That's the only thing that's keeping me alive is I believe God. Amen? And so that's how you're able to hold on. You don't consider whose carcass dropped dead in the wilderness. You don't consider all those people. And, and he was a nice church member. Oh, he was the most spiritual person I know. He had it going on. Yeah, but he wasn't believing God. He had you fooled. You got me? And so if you understand what is going on on the inside of these people that keeps them in the right spot it's not just luck and it's not happenstance and it's not just they just happen god bless them for any other reason and we don't know the reason you, you do know the reason you do know the reason and if you don't you will and so god is able then to preserve uh caleb and and he's able to go and take that mountain. He said, you know, I am well able to take this mountain. Why? Because they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. So I can take that mountain today just like I could 45 years ago because God would not have kept me alive to come here and die. Or to come and get in a wheelchair. You understand what I'm saying? God has kept me alive so that I can receive the promise, the thing that he promised me. That's why I'm still here. See, faith in God will keep you alive. Faith in God will keep you strong. Faith in God will keep your mind intact. Faith in God will keep you doing what you're supposed to do. Faith in God will allow you to walk in your coffin. If that's what you want to do. <laughs> I am ready yet. You got me dressed yet? Now nah, I'm ready to lay down. Let me go lay down myself. Y'all ain't picking me up, putting me in nothing. Mm-hmm. 
put myself in there. Think about y'all. Why? Because you're not weak in faith. Strong faith does not consider his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Don't consider anything. There's no thing. If God told us to go do that, let's go do it. Amen. So we are well able to take every mountain that comes in our life. Physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, whatever it is. He's able to, you are able to take every mountain and well able to do it. So what does it mean to consider something? You know, I don't know. I think there's another translation. Most translations use that word consider. Uh, and, And really it means to behold or perceive or to look at it. What do you focus on? See, if you don't focus on weakness, age, lack, Lack of finances, lack of opportunity, lack of spouse, lack of whatever. If you don't focus on that and you instead focus on him who made the promise, focus on what God has told you, if you believe, you'll believe what you behold and you'll expect what you look at. Because you're looking at it for a reason. You look at it because it holds your attention. You look at it because you either desire it or even if you don't desire it, you'll resign yourself to it because what you behold holds some interest for you. You look at it and you begin to process what you look at. Huh? Of course you do. You're looking at it for a reason. You're looking at it to process it in some kind of way. That's why Job said he made a covenant with his eyes. He wouldn't look at another woman. He's a married man. So once you make that covenant, you don't just stare there and then, then you know, think about not looking later. You decide already you're not going to look. So you don't even get interested in it. You just keep keep it rolling, you know, and, and keep it holy. And so... Uh, um, uh, Abraham, it says, being not weak in faith. Now, we think he had strong faith out of nowhere. See, that where the way it's phrased here, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Actually, the fact that he considered not his own body made him strong in faith. It's worded the way the way they wrote back then. They put the conclusion in front of the how you got their thing. So what it really says is this: It should say Abraham did not consider his own body, nor now did neither when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and that made him not weak in faith. See, if you put it in the right order, you'll understand how he got there. Because it looks like he's already strong in faith already. And that allowed him not to consider these things. Where did he get strong faith from? He got it from, no, he got it from not considering, pay attention now, from not considering these things. Now read it again. Because it's important. It says, Abraham 
It says, being not weak in faith, he considered not. And I'm telling you that's phrased backwards. You need to say it, he considered not, and that made him not weak in faith. Because if you look at it, it looks like Abraham has something we don't have and never can get. It's like you've got to have strong faith before you can not consider certain things. But it's backwards. You got me? It's backwards. So he considered not, and that's what made him not weak in faith. So when you consider not, that makes you not weak in faith. What you don't let play into your head makes your faith stronger. So your faith is strengthened or weakened by what you think about. Huh? So you can have strong faith just like Abraham did but not considering certain things. Don't consider your age. Don't consider your husband saying no all the time. <laughs> the easy one. <laughs> Give me something tough. <laughs> no, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you got me. Don't consider it. Tell him to get out your pocket. Jump uh, change. What else is next? I eat them for breakfast. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Forget about it. Don't think about these things and that's how your faith is strong. It's not the other way around. So Abraham didn't have anything that we don't have. He's not doing anything we can't do. Because it says in verse 24, it's for us also. This way to think and this way to live is for us as well. That's how people can come into a healing meeting complaining, whining, not doing good at all. And by the end of the meeting they're up there getting their healing. Because you force them in the meeting not to consider anything else but the word. See the anointing helps them stay focused on nothing but the word. And so if we'll do that, think about you did that to every, if every meeting you went into. You, you obey the anointing and you forced yourself to stay focused on the word. Think what would happen to you when you went out. That's what the early church did. That's how they weren't scared of the Romans. That's how they were able to turn a city upside down. They stayed steeped in the apostles' doctrine and prayer every day, the Bible says. And they went from house to house sharing the things of God every day. So they considered not anything. They didn't have time to talk about what Caesar was doing. And what, uh, you know, whoever was, was there, uh, uh, whatever, Pilate and all them people, they didn't have time, they didn't talk about that stuff. Pilate was a problem they prayed about and that was it. And after they prayed about it, they went on in faith and continued to obey God. And that's what you have to do. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to operate in strong faith that is disciplined to not think about whatever comes up to oppose what it is that you want from God. Whatever the considerations are. If if there are things that are really obstacles, you make your request known to God 
and pray until you get peace about it meditate on the word to help yourself but you don't go and focus on what's wrong and what's not right you can't afford to do it so it says he says he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief so what does that word stagger really really mean one of the definitions I found of it, it, it really means to hesitate, hesitate to believe. Like, you know, some of you tell somebody something and they stand there and look at you and think about it for a minute. And you go, well, here we go. You know, you got your head all involved and your heart's not even engaged. Your spirit's not engaged. Because people tend to filter things and categorize them and pigeonhole them based on what they think about it already. So we're trying to get ourselves into a new position to receive from God. So you're going to have to open up your heart to believe God. It's not going to hurt you to believe God. Even if you don't live long enough to see it come to pass. How many saints have died in faith and what they wanted they never saw. So it's not going to hurt you to believe God. It's going to help you to believe God because you might live to see it like Caleb did. <laughs> so you have to understand that faith is it will put you at risk. You might have to judge yourself wrong. And God's right. You might have to do some changing, Lucy, in order to get what you need from God. You got me? You will. Because this will change you. It has to. Because it's from a different kingdom. One of the other definitions for stagger really means to withdraw from. So when you consider something too big, when you consider that God's promised you something and it's too big, it's unbelievable, and you begin to stagger, that means you pull yourself back away from it. Huh? So say, for instance, if you, somebody started adding weights, you were trying to lift a dumbbell, and you, they began to add weights to it. So you've been lifting real easy, real easy, real easy. Finally, a weight is added to it, and you don't get up so easy. You start to buckle underneath it. Now you'll either readjust yourself and lift it or you'll drop it. And so the stagger really means to withdraw yourself from the promise of God because it seems too unbelievable to you. Now this doesn't happen immediately. When we get a promise, we, God's going to do something, yada, 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 hunky-dory, everything, run around, tell everybody, y'all skipping, hopping, and can on, throwing a party for your promise, and God told me I'm going to do this, I'm going to, and then Monday comes, and all that time, the devil's been throwing doubt at, what about this, what about that, what about that, what about that, what about that, and then you try to lift it again. When I say lift it, get excited about it, start talking about it. See, now we've moved into what we call reality. Huh? Now you just start staggering and you back away from it. Somebody I know who's been believing to reconcile a marriage told me, oh, God never told me. This is after, quote, unquote, believing for 10 years. God never told me uh, he was going to do that. So I'm, I'm free now. I said, okay. 
Goodbye. You understand what I'm saying? Staggering. They're trying to lift it without strength. Because they haven't been to church in, I don't know, years now. You know, you see them here and there and all that. So now they're staggering out there with no strength to hold it. Well, you can't believe God without being under authority and being under the word. Come on now. You just, you, you fooling yourself. You're trying to fool yourself. So they walk away from it's just so the devil you know you look at it, it makes you mad and I think I can go shake somebody I can't shake them they may shake me back shake <laughs> the devil you know what I'm saying you do what you can do but it's but that's what it means you withdraw from it many things God promises us with healing you know it sounds real good when you're sitting under the word you get home and you don't feel as good and you stagger you withdraw from it you won't, you won't tell anybody, but your heart won't lie to you. Your heart tells you you're not as, as enthusiastic about it as you once were. Amen? So it also means to hesitate or to content, contend. Sometimes we fight the word of God because we don't need. Now you get in one of them moods where you're convinced it's not going to happen for you and somebody come and ask you you know is how are you praying how are you doing with this and how are you doing with that and then they get mad at you and bite your head off you know what I'm saying so oh yeah you know we used hey wait a minute now I'm your, your buddy I'm your prayer partner remember we prayed in agreement for this how's it going you know so okay now I know won't ask again you know that kind of stuff and so you can withdraw from it you can start fighting it stagger also means a doubt it means to judge you have to be careful how you judge God when he promises you something you got to judge him faithful capable no matter what you see no matter how long it's it's happened. You gotta, you gotta quit wrestling with it at some point and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna quit fighting this. Um, you're faithful. I'm gonna just leave it alone and leave it at that and trust you to bring it. And please forgive me for fighting you this whole time, being angry at people who are praying for me and, you know, trusting you and all that and all that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, um, let's see. Unbelief is a killer. It kills people. If you don't believe that Christ is the redeemer of the world and get him as your savior, it will kill you. Send you to eternal torment. All the people that lived at Noah's time were killed because of their unbelief. Only eight people were saved. That was him and his family. Why? They were in the household of faith. So unbelief will kill you. If you don't believe God will heal you or has healed you. If you're in covenant with God, he's already healed you. Your unbelief will kill you. You got me? And so you have to stay away from unbelief because it's from the dark side. All these forces of darkness have a killing effect on us. Amen? And so where life is, is where God is and where his word is. So it says here, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith so he didn't stagger why 
because he considered not what he was able to bench press. He considered not his own body. When you don't stagger under the weight of something, it's because you are fully developed and you got strength to carry it. So Abraham had strength to carry that promise to the day that it came to pass. Why? He didn't consider certain things. And he didn't stagger when he thought about the promise. So there's two things going on. There's a promise that keeps coming to his mind. How does he handle that? When God promises you something that's beyond your ability to do for yourself, how do you handle it? Do you stagger under the weight of it? Or do you don't consider that you're physically weak, you're old, or whatever it is, and you push it up and you hold it up anyway? So when you, if you stay focused, just like weightlifters, you'll see them, all of them have some kind of ritual where they kind of psych themselves up. What they're doing is they're getting themselves focused on lifting that and that's all they think about amen you'll see that some of them are so strong in their mental focus that their their muscles they'll break a, a dislocate a, a joint or something like that and they said well i lifted it you got me take me to the hospital and put it stick it back in there but i lifted you got me and so this is the same thing that we do when we don't consider physical limitations you don't consider somebody else's it's got to pass through somebody's or i got to make an application or my credit has to be checked or something don't consider the things that other people have control over you think don't consider if you think about it that thing will rule over you and you won't get it you put something above god and that thing will rule over your situation you know, I, I stand with people all the time wanting miracles. You know, or people that are divorced want a husband back, a wife back. Don't consider what they do with their free time. That's the first thing the devil will tell you. He got somebody else. He's saying that, oh, that woman he with telling him, oh, don't consider that witch don't have no power. You kidding me? You will sit up and let that hinder your faith and hinder your day. Well, it ain't hindering my faith. It, were you telling me it's not? Prove it. Of course it's hindering your faith. Because you're sitting up in a place. See, let me tell you what the devil does to you. He'll tell you. He'll start bugging you. Oh, why is it taking so long? If they, if they really loved you, they'd be back home. Uh, if, if David, well, you know what it is. Uh, you don't pray enough. You don't this enough. So then it's your fault. And then when you stay in that mentality and you, you shake that off, and then he said, well, it's that chick that he's going to start seeing over there. See, he like her more than he like you. And see, that'll bounce back and forth from you to her to you to her, you to her, you to her. So which one of you which is going to win? Because he got to stay somewhere. You know, I get tired of where you want him to stay. Let him stay over there then. You know, you know what I'm saying? Don't be a hockey puck. Don't let the devil bat you from one excuse to the next excuse. Back and forth, back and forth. Just don't consider it. You know, no, devil, it ain't my fault and it ain't her fault either. 
My God is well able to bring it to pass. I'm not dependent on her and I'm not dependent on me. I'm dependent on God. That's what strong faith does. See, we think it's the other way around. We think strong faith means it's something to do with us. But strong faith eliminates us from the equation altogether. Depends only on God. So what does it say here about Abraham? He says here, he didn't stagger at the promised whatever it is. The fact that he couldn't control anything about it is a plus. See, we think it's, you know, we Doctors told me they can't do anything for me. Yay! The Bible says, count it all joy. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Because now you quit getting distracted by what the doctors tell you and focus totally. See, you won't quit staggering. I know what you have. They say is incurable, but don't stagger. That God promised you you're healed already. Don't stagger. Embrace it, accept it, get excited about it, rejoice about it. You've got nothing to be upset about or discouraged about, but you've got everything to be encouraged about. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, he mad at me all the time. He said he don't love me no more. He's a liar. The devil's always a liar. Huh? Made a mistake. He should have married somebody. Well, go on then. If you think you can get away from God, keep running. <laughs> and then you say, God, go get him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We find the smallest things to focus on. Now, it's like you've been married to somebody, what, three, four years, 10, 12 years, 30, 40 years, and all of a sudden they start acting funny. Now that's got your full attention. And the 20 years is, don't mean nothing. You understand what I'm saying? You see how stupid that is? Be strong in faith. Consider not. You'll do it just because you get sick of being upset. Your mind gets tired of being raggedy. You know, sometimes people, it's like people, you see people sometimes. I used to deal with people in mental health. (laughs) Believe it or not. Patient and therapist. Which chair am I in today? Oh, yes. Whatever. But anyway, uh, some people, you know, you see them get better all of a sudden. They might be years on. And you say, well, you said, no, I'm, you know what? I get tired of thinking about that. And I decide, let me just get them, get me a job and go do something different. Mental fatigue will cause you to change how you do. See, God has help even for crazy people. <laughs> you ain't got sense enough to let go of stupid stuff. You got me? He has help for all of us. So Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. He did not consider his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and that made him not weak in faith, but strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now glory would have gone to him if he had been in a position to do anything for himself in the natural. So he got glory out of Ishmael. 
Do you see the difference? Which one would you want? Huh? See, you can't fix Ishmael and make him what God promised. You know, you see all these people that say, oh, well, how can my marriage didn't hold together, so God going to get me somebody better. Somebody better comes along and you got twice the problems you had. I should have stayed where I was. We told you that by faith when you was on your way out the door with the laughing. Faith told you that when you were quitting the last one. So you can't fix Ishmael. You better believe for what God. Yo, Isaac is right with you. You better believe. It's easier to fix Isaac than it is to fix Ishmael. Ishmael don't have it at all. Only God can give you your Isaac. Hmm? Only God can heal you. While you're sitting around, whining, lamenting, moaning, saying it'll never happen, uh, why don't you consider not? Huh? Now let me tell you how easy it is. Somebody's depressed, not feeling good. Oh, let's go out and, and you know, go see a movie, do a little shopping. It's okay. All of a sudden, consider not. It's happening. But you're not considering God. You gotta consider what He says. Oh boy, bummer! I gotta, I gotta get in the word again. I get me. It's true. All you gotta do is is lift yourself up out of your doldrums. Quit thinking about what things things that are are going to come to pass. If you believe God's word, all you gotta do is say symptoms. You leave in here. <laughs> y'all know don't think y'all permanent huh you ain't staying around huh you ain't here for but a, about a minute enjoy your stay cause you're leaving in Jesus name huh? so it says Abraham did not stagger waver doubt or miscarry the promise you can abort the promise of God or miscarry the promise of God through unbelief. He held on to that baby until it was his delivery date. He held on to him to conceive and to deliver. And it says, <clears throat> because he was strong in faith, he gave glory to God. And a strong faith Makes God 100% in charge and responsible for everything. Is he responsible for believing for you? Yes, because he believes with you. You got me? His faith is added to your faith. He's not doing it for you. He's doing it with you. He's carrying your little feeble faith along with his word and making your faith strong. Amen. So that kind of faith gives glory to God because God knows if you just looked at your circumstances, you would be crippled through unbelief and not able to believe nothing. So God comes with his word that becomes your full focus. You know how big the word is compared to your symptoms? You think about it. You can meditate on the word, give your word 10 minutes, and it will carry you through your whole day. Versus 
two hours doing something else. They're meditating on whatever or, you know, going, looking up self-help stuff, being on the Internet, finding out some new herb or something like that. You can go study that self for self forever and spend a few minutes in the Word and let God really speak to you. And he cuts through. It says his Word is sharper than any to the pierce asunder soul and spirit. It'll get your mind from being entangled with your physical limitations and your symptoms. It'll take over. So is it worth it to spend? Of course it's worth it to spend time in the Word. God makes it worth it. But you got to be careful. You'll sit up and just start letting your mind wander. And then you start drifting, staggering, drifting, staggering, drifting, staggering. Stop it. So he was strong in faith because he what what he did not let enter into his faith. He kept natural considerations out of his faith closet. So your faith is a closet that holds your promise together. So don't let anything else in there. Keep it pure in there. The Bible says that he was fully persuaded, verse 21, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Not you, but him. You don't have to perform anything. You believe God will do it. God will have to do it. We look for things that we, what did I do wrong? What do I need to do? You don't need to do nothing but not consider what you're not doing. Cut it out. So he didn't, Abraham did not stagger, waver, doubt, miscarry the promise. He was fully persuaded. Full persuasion chases out doubt and unbelief. It chases out considering everything else that could stand in the way and hinder the promise. When you're fully persuaded, you stand and them thoughts better not come to you. Amen. You stand and they, you don't even think about it for five seconds. No, I know it's like when the devil, when you all the, the when you first saved and you make some mistakes and you wonder if you saved again and then the day comes and you tell them, yeah, I'm saved. What do you mean I ain't saved? You don't tell me I'm not saved. Where you used to let him tell you that, fully persuaded. You can be put fully persuaded about everything. So at this point, you could not talk Abraham out of the promise, no matter how hard you tried, no matter how hopeless it looked in the natural. And you can let the devil will start bringing up all the stuff he used to get you on. Remember the gitches and he'd make you depressed for three days and you go to crying and carrying on. And he'd come up to you once you're fully persuaded that thought will come by you and say, what? I believe that stuff. Huh? Something transpires inside of us that takes everything out but solid confidence in God's ability. You've got to consider him able. Not willing, able. It's got to be his ability. You've got to believe he loves you enough to use his ability on your behalf. You've got to believe that he loves you enough to talk to the loan manager for you. You gotta believe he loves you enough to talk to the the uh, the uh, branch manager for you, or the guy that does the car loan for you. You gotta believe, and that's his ability. He's able to do these things, change people's minds, change their hearts, whatever he needs to change. He'll change it for you, change time, seasons, weathers. 
everything everything but you got to believe he's able to do it for you sometimes you look at, at illness oh this you know it's never going to get in bed hadn't gotten better yeah he's able to do it you just got to believe in his ability he's, he's cut it out just let's say god is able he is that's all you ever say god is able because he's able and you got to be fully persuaded that when he promises you something he's able to do it and he's able to do it now it says here therefore it was imputed to him as righteousness see it's after he's not considered everything then that's a righteous prayer that's a righteous state that's righteous faith that's and with righteousness there's no judgment against it righteousness means it's gonna happen that's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because he's moved all the doubt and hindrance out. All you got to do is stay focused on what God told you. Be fully persuaded he's able to do it. I don't care about my body. I don't care how long I've been like this. I don't care what doesn't work anymore. I don't care what creaks when I get up. I don't care what don't move when I move. I don't care what's left on the chair after I get up. (laughs) Whatever. He's able. It's his ability. It's not your ability. Quit looking at your inability and limitations. He's willing to do it because he's God. Who else is going to help you? But you got to look at his ability because really what it is is ability that's stumping Abraham and everybody else that tries to believe God for great things or small things. But it's ability. God can do it. He's able to bring your dead body back to life. He's able to bring your sick body back to health. He's able to bring your poor pocketbook into wealth. He's able to bring all of those things to pass that. But we cannot look at Quit looking at it. Quit talking about it. Quit letting it discourage you. Quit nursing your wounds about things. And God will definitely come and help you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to know you in strong faith. And it's not something Abraham had that we can't have. You've told us the secret now. It's what you focus on. So we keep our eyes focused on you so that we won't stagger and leave the promise, walk away from it, abandon it, and forget about it. But we will focus on you, thereby receiving everything that you have for us. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.